0: Hello, and welcome to Magic is Real. I'm Shannon Torrance. I'm your host. I'm a psychic medium and a lover of all things spiritual and metaphysical. Today I have with me Louise Hamlin, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Louise. Louise was an ordinary person and who had an extraordinary experience. I'm going to read from her website so that I can introduce her properly, this is in first person. She said, until recently, my life experiences were pretty conventional. I was a divorced mother of three and a law lecturer. Then I met my second husband. We moved to the country and I started to make pots. Our life was idyllic until my husband's untimely death at the comparatively young age of 71. This was terrible. This was, this was a terrible and heartbreaking loss, which seemed to leave nothing but devastation in its wake. But then slowly the grief became shot." Well, but then slowly the grief became shot through with threads of joy because against all expectation, I started to receive signs and messages from him. My book, What's Apps from Heaven, Bereavement in the 21st Century, is an account both of my bereavement and of the amazing signs that I received and continue to receive up to this day. I had no belief in the afterlife until I received signs, which in my eyes were quite irrefutable. Now I find immense comfort in knowing that consciousness survives death. And I want to share my story to bring solace to others who are bereaved. Thank you so much, Louise, for being here. Oh, thank you, Shannon. I am delighted to be here. You are uh... so sweet. You are just a doll. Um, I, I, I am so incredibly sorry for your loss, but so happy that the reason you're here is that you have discovered that there is no death, that death does not exist. We are only in separate rooms. So I would love to hear about who you are, how you grew up, your background, what you may have believed as a child or a young adult in terms of your spiritual beliefs or lack thereof. Sure.
1: Well, I was born in Manchester, which is a city in the north of England. And um, as a child, my parents used to go to the local parish church, which is Church of England, Um, I think the equivalent in the States is the Episcopal Church. Um, But uh, my parents had been through the war. My my father had fought all the way through the Second World War. My mother had been a a land girl. And I think that that had really affected their beliefs. So my father actually very rarely would go to church I think he'd lost any faith because of the second world war and though my brother and I were brought up to go to church it was not a big deal in our family and it didn't really impinge on my life at all the the feeling of um religion or spirituality and um yes I i Went to university. I I met the man who became my husband. We married. I became a lawyer. Then I had children. Um, and throughout all this time, I was always interested in religion, but I always had quite a lot of doubt as well. And I was never I was never passionate about it. Um, I divorced. I carried on lecturing and bringing up my children. Then I met my second husband, and that was mind blowing because that was such a wonderful relationship with such deep love. And after he died, I was desperate. And then When I started to receive signs, I realized eventually that there is life after death. And that has completely transformed my worldview. Um, I now know that there is life after death. I know that our
0: spirits survive. And, ah, my goodness me,
1: what a difference it makes.
0: I appreciate that so much, Louise. I... Two was more of an agnostic, at times atheist, and now that I do this work of mediumship, where I do have evidence from the other side, as you said, I'm still a skeptic at heart. But I can tell you, I believe with one hundred and ten percent, I mean, I, conviction that there is life after after death. Now it doesn't mean that you won't miss your partner every single day, that you don't have him with you in the in the physical, because that's such a deep bond that you have with a part, with a romantic partner. But I do really welcome um, your insights that you're going to share, because I know that there's so many people that have lost their person, and I work with a lot of them, and uh, it's, or a child, or a, a friend, or anything, but I do really look forward to hearing your insights, because I think it's so comforting to know that, okay, they may not be here, in the same dimension, but they're still there, and you very much have a have a relationship. So, uh, yeah, let's let's just start with your story and um, what happened. Well, so Patrick was
1: diagnosed with stage four bile duct cancer, and it came out of the blue, and he was given three months to live. And he did die three months later. And when he was so ill and we knew he was dying, I mean, we were hoping against hope that we could find our way through. But we sort of knew really that he was likely to die. We discussed whether or not there was life after death. And Patrick said he didn't really think that there was And that that was okay because, you know, nothingness is nothing to fear. He said, "If you know by any chance our spirits do survive, well, I think I've led a good enough life for it to be okay." And he had; he most certainly had. He was a man of the greatest integrity and kindness, and I sort of believed him. And it didn't occur to me to ask him for signs. because I I didn't really think that he was going to survive in spirit, but he died. And just a few days later, about five days later, I had a WhatsApp from a friend who is a bit psychic. And the WhatsApp, it's um, a messaging app that everybody in the UK uses. So I don't think it's so common in the States, but it's very, very common in the UK. It's the it's favoured way of messaging people. And you can send photographs with it as well. And you can set up groups. Anyway, I had a WhatsApp from this friend sending a photograph of a tall, thin flame from her neighbour's garden. And she said, hey, Louise, I don't know whether I should tell you this or not, but this morning I was thinking about Patrick. And I asked him to send me a sign to say that he was okay. And I asked for a flame. And he said, I went about my day and I rather forgot about it. And then this evening, when I just went to draw the curtains, I saw this strange, very unusual, tall, thin flame in my neighbor's garden. And I ran and I took a photograph of it. And then it died down and went. And I've no idea what caused it. But I think it was Patrick. I don't believe in coincidences. I think he was saying he's okay. And I looked at this photo of the flame and it was unusual. And um, I thought, oh, I don't know. You know, I do believe in coincidences. And um, so it affected me. You know, I, I thought, golly, wouldn't it be really lovely if he has survived? But... It didn't convince me, not at all. And I kept on getting, actually, then messages from other friends saying, oh, I was thinking about Patrick and the lights went on and off. Or I was thinking about Patrick and this feather floated down in front of me. And um, I was slightly thinking, okay, right. Well, why is Patrick sending these messages as it were to friends and not to me. And looking back on it now, I think it was probably that I was just so deeply immersed in my grief. I I wasn't able to receive anything. Yeah. But what I did do was I went to see a medium and again, I didn't really believe, but you know, hope against hope. And the first medium I went to see, uh, I was was not. It was not a very satisfactory session, and she couldn't tap into Patrick. And all I was interested in was was Patrick, like my, my husband. Um, And in fact, she ended up getting a bit ratty with me because she kept on saying things. And I was saying, well, no, no. And um, so anyway, that was not a success. And I'm telling you about that one because I then went a few weeks later to see another one. And that was amazing. And I'm really pleased that I didn't give up on the first unsatisfactory session with a medium. And I do think that, you know, you have to find the right medium for you. And um, I would say to anybody, if you're interested in seeing a medium and the first one doesn't click with you, don't give up, try, try again. And the second medium was extraordinary, quite extraordinary. I found her on the internet and I phoned her up. I said, my name was Louise. I did not give her my surname. And I said that my husband had died in February and I would like to go and see her. And she lived about one and a half hours away. So, you know, she was not local. Um, And she said, okay. And... She said, oh, um, he died in the middle of February, didn't he? And I said, yes. This was the conversation on the phone. And all she knew was that my name was Louise and her husband had died in February. And then she said, oh, he died on the 16th of February, didn't he? Wow. Yeah. And I said, no. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, no, he didn't. He lost consciousness on the 16th. But he died on the 18th. And I loved it, really, because she said with huge assurance, no, no, he's telling me he died on the 16th, and that's what I'm writing down. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, actually, I can understand why he thought he died on the 16th, because he'd lost consciousness then. Yeah. And I also thought, how did she know that? And it couldn't even have been sort of telepathy for me because in my mind, he had died on the 18th. So where had she got that from? And I was amazed just by this telephone conversation. And then I went to see her and she described Patrick in incredibly accurate detail. And, um, and she said things that, you know, she could not possibly have guessed or made up or, you know, even if she had researched me, um, I still don't think she had my surname, but she would not have found the things that she said, you know? So it was, it was eye opening. Um. And so I saw, she, so a bit of me began to think, well, maybe, maybe she did somehow make contact with my husband's spirit. And that was very uh, consoling. I didn't really want to let myself believe in case I was then disappointed. Uh, I was you know, still in quite a state. And so anyway, so somebody suggested that I should ask, I should ask Patrick for a sign. And I was going to be getting a train the next day. So I asked for a feather on the train. And the next day I got on the train and the carriage was quite crowded. But I saw a couple of empty seats at the far end. So I whizzed up and sat down on one of the seats and I glanced at the other seat next to it. And there was a feather. And it was only a, a small, little, you know, unassuming feather. And I thought, oh. And there was sort of no apparent source for this feather at all. I thought, oh. And, um, and then I started to, from then on, I started to receive more signs and you know, I had lights going on and off. I had one night I was lying in bed. It was the middle of the night. It was about two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking, Oh, Patrick, you know, why did you leave me? Um, Suddenly there was the most terrible sort of thump noise just outside my bedroom door. I was terrified. And you know the house was empty apart from me and I couldn't think who was there or what had happened. And I lay quite rigid with fear, quite petrified, but then there was no more sound. So in the end, I very bravely turned on the light and sort of crept out to see what had happened, and a book had flown out of the bookshelves, which were on the half landing outside my bedroom door. And this book had flown from the top bookshelf, and it had flown with obviously great velocity onto the onto the carpet, and that had made the thump. And there was absolutely no fathomable reason for this book suddenly to have flown out of the bookshelves and with such velocity as well. And I thought, oh, I think Patrick's telling me that he hasn't left me.
0: Yeah. yeah. I know there. I was going to say there's more to this, but I'll just say one thing. Uh, and this is because I think it's important for people to know what, especially when they're in grief. I loved, I really appreciated what you said about if you go to one medium and it doesn't click, try another one. Sometimes I'll speak from, ex- um, and I'll speak from experience. First of all, if I can't connect, I'll always give you a refund for one thing. Um, and, but so, so don't let those types of things get in the way of you being able to receive these messages that, that you need. But sometimes someone is in too much grief at the moment. And so they're they're just sort of blocked. Sometimes it's too soon, sometimes. And in some cases, there's just not a strong need. Um, and I find that the strongest ones are when you have the greatest need, but not right in the middle of your grief. Sometimes doesn't mean you can't connect, does not mean that at all. Um. You know, we're, it's not a perfect science. So I, I really appreciate that you said that. I just want to stress that again because I don't want people to miss out on the most beautiful messages from your loved ones that can bring you so much comfort and peace. So thank you for sharing that too. Uh, the feathers, I ask two spirit guides for feathers. And sometimes, yeah, it's like a teeny tiny little one. Sometimes it comes from a down coat or something where it's like a little, little one doesn't matter what it is spirit make sure that for however it works there's a hole in that person's coat so that it slips out at just the right time for you to receive that message
1: well i've i've received quite a few feathers over the months yes yeah. um and actually what's really strange shannon is none of them have ever had an obvious source yep which i find you know
0: really same quite extraordinary sometimes inside the someone's house on the staircase or something there's just a little feather sitting there
1: and i could and i i was talking to somebody on the train again as it happens um we were sitting opposite each other uh, and there was a table between us and we got to chatting and um It turned out she was a widow as well. And um, we chatted about things generally. And then I, I said very, very sort of cautiously, have you received any signs? And she immediately launched into the story of the sign that she had received from her husband. And then she asked me, and I told her about some of the less extraordinary signs. Um, And as I was talking, she said, oh, look. And a feather floated down and landed on my book, which was on the table in front of me. And she said, God, did you see that? And there it was. And there was no source at all for this feather.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. Your husband's getting together. To to send you a little sign. Yes.
1: Yes. yes. But then the most the the signs which then really convinced me were the WhatsApps, yes. which is these messages. And the first one sort of I found on my phone. It was a few months after he had died. And I had left my phone in the kitchen and had been out of the house. And the house had been silent and had been locked up. Nobody had been in the house. And when I got back, I discovered that my phone had somehow, of its own accord, opened the WhatsApp app and then opened... The um, connection with Maria, who was a medium that I had consulted, and she had she had had a very close connection somehow to Patrick, um, and my phone had filled the message box with words and words and words and words, and I had no idea how it, how that could have happened. Um, and I was going to delete it all. And then I thought, well, I'll just send it to Maria and see what she thinks. And so I said to Maria, Hey, yeah, I've just found this on my phone. Um, what do you think? And she replied, I have no idea at all. Um, and anyway, the next day she then WhatsApped me and said, Hey Louise look what I've just found on my phone, ready to send to you. And again, I have no idea how it got here. And again, it was words, but the words were more coherent this time. And, um, three times it said, darling, it's me. And I always called him (laughs) and, and, you know, he always called me darling. Um, yeah. And, um, and anyway, the, these messages continued and I was, you know, a, a bit of me was rather sceptical and I wondered whether Maria was making it up. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that she was because she was a, a very nice, ordinary housewife and mother and she sort of did. Mediumship as a sort of a bit of a a public du- duty well she felt she had the gift she didn't do it for money, let me put yeah. it like that yeah she she did not do it for money at all um and um she had sort of she obviously did somehow have a connection with Patrick. She'd had all sorts of orbs and things um, from him, which she'd photographed and sent to me and whatever. So anyway, I sort of slightly, I tested her because some of the things that came through in these WhatsApps, I said, oh, do you know what that means? And she didn't have any idea, whereas I actually knew what the significance was. So a lot of me was believing, but not all of me. And then one day, I was walking on Tooting Common in London with my dog, and the phone was in my pocket. And when I got back to my son's house where I was staying, I pulled the phone from my pocket. And my phone told me that I had created two WhatsApp groups at six minutes past 11 that morning, one consisting of Patrick and me, and one consisting of Patrick, his daughter, and me. And they were sort of properly labelled, one called Hamlin's, one called Hamlin family. And I knew that I would not done it. Um, I knew that at six minutes past 11, I'd been walking on the common with my dog. And I knew that it couldn't have sort of, you know, the phone couldn't have been jiggled and done it. I didn't know at the time how to create a WhatsApp group. And it's, it's complicated enough. It could not have happened by accident. Yeah. And I looked at the phone and I thought, my goodness, it must be Patrick. And, and it was that that made me realize that, yeah, Patrick could manipulate WhatsApps these sort of texts, he could manipulate them somehow and he could send me messages. And it was his daughter's birthday that day. And I think that he included his daughter in a group as a birthday present to her saying, hey, you know, my spirit
0: is still here. Yeah, that's incredible. And yet it is credible because... Spirit does have the ability to manipulate their energy. We're energy. So they have the ability to manipulate energy, technology, play songs for you, uh, create static on TVs, uh, and it sounds fantastical, but what's the explanation? Yeah, I mean,
1: I read a lot yeah. and I found quite a lot of evidence that... um. Spirit can send emails and even phone calls, um, can dial, yeah, you know, and, and people have experienced these things. Um, and I guess that spirit does somehow keep up with technology and in England, in most of the world, actually, you know, WhatsApp is the favorite method of communication. And so... Patrick used WhatsApp, right? Yeah, another extraordinary thing was I was playing bridge, which is a card game um, and four people play. So there were four of us sitting around the card table in my house. And um, with bridge, you have two packs of cards and you use them alternatively. So we used the red pack and then the blue pack. And then it was the turn of the red pack again. And my friend dealt the cards and she was a card short. And we knew that the red pack was complete because we had already used it once. And so we counted our cards. We assumed that she had misdealt, but no, nobody had an extra card. So we sort of looked for this card and looked to see if it had fallen onto the floor somehow. No. So we stood up and shook our laps and we became more and more determined to find this missing card. We knew it had been there only five minutes ago. We couldn't find it anywhere. So then one of my friends who knew about the signs I'd been receiving from Patrick said I bet it's Patrick I bet it's a heart so um we looked to see which card was missing and it was the nine of hearts and so my friends said the nine of hearts is, is that significant and I said well no it had been the queen of hearts or the ace of hearts yeah, I'd have taken that. But I don't know why it was the nine of hearts. Um, anyway, we had to get a new pack of cards to resume the game. And a couple of days later, I told a friend about this, because it was bizarre. And she said, oh, Louise, she said, the nine of hearts is like the nine of cups in tarot.
0: And Uh the Nine
1: of Cups in Tarot is the most wonderful card. And it means really deep and everlasting love. Patrick couldn't have sent you a nicer message. Right. That is very sweet, Patrick. Yeah. And of course, the funny thing is, he wouldn't have known a thing about Tarot when he was alive. Right.
0: He didn't even know there was an afterlife. No. That's wonderful. Now, how long did these, the WhatsApp messages, was that something that continued? Or is that just, it, yeah.
1: It continued for um, a year, well, up to two years. I mean, they became much less frequent, but then still very occasionally um, I would get one. Um, I think the last one I had was probably sort of two and uh, maybe two and a half years after he died.
0: And what would they say? I know that you said a lot of them were just yes. words, but then there'd be a message within. Yes. A message within.
1: Yes. And so he sort of said things like, oh, uh, the happiest years, you know. Oh, and wow. I know. And um, he said, oh, his." His very last message said, I can hear you. Please hear me.
0: Oh my gosh. I just got the biggest chills. Yeah. And that's actually, I want to speak to that as well. I can hear you. Please hear me. There's so many. Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. Wow. There's so many people that say to me, I don't feel the person. I don't see them. I don't see them. I don't feel them. Why aren't they giving me messages? And What I tell them is they're always giving you messages. We're often missing them. They're so subtle. I think that before I became a medium, I've assumed that medium sort of, when they said your grandfather's standing next to you, I would think they saw the grandfather. Now, some people do, I don't. I would think that you would hear things so clearly. Well, I know from doing mediumship myself, it is the most subtle communication. You you have to really be very still to hear the messages. Because as I think it was you that said, either in this interview or another one, that it sounds just like your own thought. So, or something I was listening to this morning, I don't know, but it's, it sounds exactly like your own thought. So you may miss it because you have thousands of thoughts a day and they just become sort of white noise in the background. But when you tune into them intentionally, And I would say, don't search. Don't look too hard because then you're just straining to hear it. It falls right in. The messages that come to me, I sometimes strain too hard to hear them. And then I miss them because I'm working. It's not about working. It's about allowing. Less forcing, more allowing. So the messages will come in, but it's like a breeze. It's just like a soft breeze. It's kind of sometimes the, the most quiet. It's just sort of a quiet voice, but it's there. They might be saying something to you and you just sort of, there's so much uh, chatter in our heads in the world. So it's often about keeping still. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's you're having a conversation with another person. So I'm speaking to you right now, but I'm also becoming aware of, I don't know why I point here, in the back of my neck is where I sort of imagine it. It's like my, my also paying attention to my subconscious as I'm speaking to you. And that's sometimes when there's conversation happening, the messages come through the most clear, um, but it's intention and it won't always be that, that tangible feather falling down. It will always be the bird tapping on the window. I did a reading the other night where I said, he's showing me a bird tapping on a window as a sign from him. She said a couple of days after her husband passed, she heard Tapping on the window, went up, and there was a dove tapping on the window. And, and, she, and I said, and that was, she goes, I know it was him. I knew it was him at the moment. And so it's those little things where it's like, ah oh, that damn bird. You know what? Get out of my yard. You, it, lay. Maybe the bird has something to tell you. And your husband isn't in the bird, but your husband is motivating, is nudging that bird to go tap on your window. Um, and sometimes it won't be that clear. And sometimes your grief is too big. And sometimes spirit wants you to take the time to grieve because they don't want you to be codependent with them in healing from your grief, that you can only feel better if they speak to you. You'll only feel better if you get a sign. Sometimes you just need to feel the pain and cry it out and get that out before they'll start chatting with you. Not always, but that sometimes is why. They don't want to interfere with the grief process and prevent you moving on.
1: I think that what you say about sometimes you just need to feel the grief. Certainly, that was very true for me. And I let myself feel the grief. And really, for two years, I was grieving deeply. Um, But I think it was really important that I let myself do that. And I didn't try and rush it yeah, because it does mean that now I've come to terms with what happened and, you know, I am happy again. I never thought I would be. I am not living the life that I expected or anticipated or wanted, Mm -hmm. but the life I am living is now a happy fulfilling life and and it's and it's certainly enhanced by my feeling that Patrick is still with me
0: yeah.
1: um but i don't think that i would have got to this place if i hadn't let myself
0: really grieve yeah let's talk about that a little too because i think oh well, there's so many people we've all lost somebody close Um, and we talk a lot about on this podcast from the spiritual perspective, um, you know, about the connections that we have with our loved ones in spirit, but what do you think? I mean, apart from just not even apart from what, what would you say is, are things to keep in mind, just any kind of general wisdom that comes to mind for you, for people that are in grief, how to cope Well,
1: I don't know if this is general wisdom or not, but how I I coped was, and I was in a terrible state. I mean, to start with, I could not do anything. It was all I could do to get up in the morning and brush my teeth. You know, that was an achievement. And very luckily, friends and family, my children and my neighbors, were wonderful, and they sort of they fed me and they turned up with meals and things because I didn't have the wherewithal to to shop or to even prepare a meal or to think about it. And so I guess that if you have a friend or neighbor who is grieving, do go round with a meal all plated up and sit in front of them while they eat it. Um, I found that meditation helped a lot. And that could somehow... I was the only thing that could really still the churning inside me because I i felt as though I'd lost all boundaries. I felt as though I was just a big amorphous blob of liquid which was churning and churning. And it took a long time for me to begin to feel that I had boundaries and that I was an individual and not just a huge lake of grief and meditation certainly helped with that and sort of doing nothing as well I used to sit outside in the garden and and just look at look at the countryside and do nothing for hours and hours but it just was helpful I think to be out in nature um And eventually I got through by living in the moment. I found I couldn't think about the future at all because it was just too terrifying to think of a lonely future without Patrick. And I couldn't let myself think of the past because then that just underlined to me what I had lost. And so the only way I could actually survive was by just thinking about now and not letting my mind sort of wander from now. So, okay, it's this morning, it's whenever, Friday morning, and -and so-and-so said they were were going to come around with some sandwiches at lunchtime. So all I've got to do is survive till lunchtime and then so-and-so is going to come around with the sandwiches. And that was how I did it. I just broke the day up into little chunks, and I just thought about that chunk. And then very gradually, very, very gradually, I was able to start thinking about a whole day. And then very gradually, I could think about the week. But it was a slow process.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's about right. I think that it it really amazes me how we're designed this way as human beings that we're, we're designed to love, to connect because that keeps this from a biological standpoint, it's what keeps the species alive. So, you know, that community, that love, that intimacy, the oxytocin that's released when you're in love with somebody, that connection will then, unfortunately, when that's broken we are in immense pain. And I always think, why do we have to go through that? Because it doesn't end. It just, I think you learn to cope and walk alongside grief. And what a, what a long process. It It's not like there's ever going to be a day where it isn't there. But you slowly adapt and change and find new ways to find that comfort again or that joy and I love that your message about being present it's the power of now the concept of the power of now if you think about the past well then it's you know you're depressed if you think about the future you're anxious so it's a constant practice to stay present and right in this moment I am safe I have breath I can feel the Cool air on my on my skin. It's sort of those touch points of coming back to now, coming back to now, coming back to now. And but it just always amazes me that it's like even with breakups, you know, relationship breakups, you're like, I was fine before I even met this person. So why am I in so much pain now that they're not in my life right now? So there is something. I mean, it it's all part of the survival instinct. If we didn't feel grief, we wouldn't care about protecting are young, about protecting uh, the herd from predators. So I always think of that from a a physical, biological standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, why, why are we in so much, why do we have to be in so much pain? Why is it so hard and so painful?
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess that grief is the price you pay for love. Yeah. And, um, you know, the love, I would rather have the love than the grief mm-hmm. than not have had the love. Yeah. I've uh, said that so
0: many times myself. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, it's agony. And the, the my, my grief now, I mean, I was saying a few minutes ago, I'm now happy, which I am, and my life is now happy and fulfilled again. That doesn't mean that I don't miss Patrick. I've I've got a stone of grief inside me, and it's part of me now. It's who I am. And I am Patrick's widow, and that's very much who I think of myself as. But the, the stone, if you like, is now rounded. It doesn't have sharp edges. And just very, very occasionally I will come across a sharp edge, you know, and very occasionally I will still get a pang and I suspect that that will carry on for as long as I'm in this life, but that's
0: okay. Yeah. How do you now, as you've learned to just to, to start this new life, this new chapter of your life as Louise without Patrick in the physical form, do you intentionally, how do you sort of incorporate him into this new world of yours well i love it when people
1: talk about him and i i live in a a village and everybody in the village knew patrick um and a lot of people still will talk about him which i really love and they'll say you know we'll be talking about something and they'll say oh well patrick would have you know, really thought that was great or <laughs> would have that would have made patrick mad and and I love that, and I do that too, so I will say, "Oh, golly, you know that's brilliant, and golly, Patrick would have thought that was wonderful and I really like still just mentioning him casually, but you know still making him part of the conversation and And I talk about him quite a lot, not in a morbid way, but just just because i feel that he is still present and he he did have strong opinions about things and you know i like to i like to bring them
0: up yeah and how what kinds of signs are you receiving from him now well not i don't receive many signs from him now and
1: i think it's because he now knows that i know yeah how much he loves me, and that he is still around in spirit, um, And so, in a way, the signs I receive now are far more subtle. I will often, if I'm lying in bed, I'll often feel him beside me. And it's just I just have this lovely feeling that he's he's there, yeah, he's sort of lying next to me, and yeah. sometimes and sometimes when I'm driving, and he's always terribly rude about my driving, and he you know, he didn't like being driven by me. He was a sort of typical man and wanted to do the driving. But if I was driving, then he would sort of, you know, oh, you're in the wrong gear, and um, we tend to have manual cars in the in the UK, and things like that. But sometimes, and I'm driving and it's tricky. I always feel I can feel his arms in my arms taking over the steering it's very strange but I do feel it yeah and I feel that he's thinking oh I think this is a bit too tricky for Louise I think I'd better intervene here and just take control of the steering
0: wheel and get her through this difficult bit I'm sure that's right yeah (laughs) that's beautiful I thank you so much for sharing your story because I think that, as we talked about, grief is very heavy, it's very difficult to get through, and it's not even easier because we receive these signs or because we believe or have faith in a, in the afterlife, but it does help, I think it does really bring hope. And Laurel and Jackson, the medium, said that life is just a stage play and after we die, we all meet up backstage again. And I think that's a really beautiful idea that here it seems eternal that we're in separation, but really there is no separation, that we are always together. Sometimes we just have to spend some time in different dimensions, in different forms, in different vibrations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I have no
1: fear of death now at all. Oh, good. Uh, Yeah. And I know that when I do die, my spirit will be reunited. Oh, yes. Patrick.
0: Oh, absolutely. It will. And you've said so many beautiful things, but I like to end... Each episode, asking my guests, what is it that you want people to know, whatever comes to mind? Well,
1: I just want people to know that there is an afterlife and that our loved ones do survive in spirit and that we will as well. So I think it's very consoling because if you've made some wrong choices in this life, if you sort of feel that this life has been A bit of a failure or a bit of a you know a a mess you can console yourself by thinking but actually this life is only a very small part of my whole existence so it's not such a big
0: deal after all I love that and it's I believe that as well Louise Hamlin thank you so much for joining us uh, your book is available on Amazon, but we can also get it on your website, um, which I will have below. Is that correct? It'll give you links to buy the book there.
1: Yes, it should be. Or or it, it's called WhatsApps from heaven. And and I think you can get it from Barnes and Noble's website website as, as well. well. But yeah, certainly on Amazon.
0: Okay, great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your, your beautiful story. Uh, again, I'm so sorry that Patrick had to go so soon, but I know that he is still with us and that you will be reunited again in the same form. And thank you for helping to bring hope and inspiration to others who are bereaved or who even just are terrified or afraid of death.
1: Thank you very
0: much, Shannon. I have very much enjoyed talking to you. Likewise.